Welcome to a brand new episode. Mike Driscoll, The Python Show. Hello and welcome to The Python Show. I'm your host, Mike Driscoll, and today we have a special guest, Sanskar, the author of the Robin Python web framework. It's a brand new web framework written with Rust, and it sounds really cool, and I'm hoping to talk to Sanskar all about it and perhaps why he chose to, to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Anyway, welcome to the show, Sanskar. Hi, Mike. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. Um, I like to ask all my guests to, to give us a little bit of background. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey into programming? Sure. Uh, my name is Sanskar. I like to introduce myself as in the mornings, I work as a software engineer at Bloomberg. And during the mm -hmm. nights, I maintain free and open source software. And one of them is Robin. And my journey to programming was I started programming when I was 12. I was really cool. fascinated by my uncle when I saw him write white code on a dark blue screen. He was writing C code in the Turbo C compiler during that time. I just kept mm. pestering him. And this is how he introduced me to HTML. And that, that is how I was introduced to the world of programming. And gradually I kept learning more things. And that's pretty much it. That's cool. I had, I had an uncle who, I think he always bought his laptop when he went on vacation. And so, you know, I saw him using some early version of Visual Studio with uh, Visual Basic, probably, probably Visual Basic 6 or maybe even an older one. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he, he showed me how he created a dialogue. And I'm like, that's so cool. <laughs> I'm like, how do you, that, that's really amazing. I didn't, I know, I didn't know what I was even seeing at that time, but I was like, that's, that's really neat. Yeah. Shout out um, to all the programming uncles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you go to school for programming or did you, are you like a boot camp person or? I majored in electrical engineering. So they okay. didn't actually teach us that much of programming. The only programming that I learned in university was MATLAB. Okay. But apart from that, it was pretty much out of curiosity. So do they, do they teach, when they teach MathLab, do they do the Simulink stuff too, or is it just straight up MathLab? Both, both. Both? I've only, I only recently learned about Simulink this, just this week, and so I've been, I've been playing around with it. It's kind of interesting. It reminds me a little bit of Scratch. Yeah, you just it's a bit like Scratch, yes. I know it's not even close, but it's, it, it, that's <laughs> what it reminded me of when I started messing with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm sh and in in college, did they let you do Python, or were you just like doing some other programming language? No, only MATLAB. Okay, so how did you end up choosing to uh, use Python? And uh, so, basically, when I started college, I had been writing JavaScript for a while, and mm -hmm. one of my seniors introduced me to to Python, and I remember not liking it at at all when I was introduced to it because it was the first time I was working with a language that used indentation and had spaces, mm. no curly braces, and no semicolons. So I yep. didn't like it during the start. But then I got involved in an open source project that was creating a smart speaker on Raspberry Pi. Uh, the project was called okay. Suzy. 
and that used a lot of Python. And that is when <laughs> I got my hands really dirty. And ever since then, I have been using Python for basically everything. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because my, my first programming language, probably C++ in, in university, and you know, they teach you to have the indentations to make your code more readable with C++, even though it ends with the semicolon. And so when I got to Python and it enforces the indentation, I was like, wow, the, this makes so much <laughs> sense. I can read the code better. And so yeah. <laughs> it just fit my brain. Exactly. Um, so what do you, well, I think we'll get to this in, in a later question. So let's start with uh, how did uh, the, Rob, the Robin uh, web framework come about? Why did you make that instead of just using like Django or Flask? Sure. So I have a story behind this. Uh, the year was 2021, and I was mm -hmm. in the final year of my university. But you may remember, during that time, the pandemic was still at place, and everything was remote. So mm -hmm. I had a lot of free time. And like any other diligent university student, I was spending all my time on Reddit. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so during that time, Reddit was filled with rewriting everything in Rust memes because one of the big companies had introduced Rust in their kernel code. And I was also working on a project that used Flask as a backend. I, Flask was mm -hmm. my preferred framework of choice during my time. But I was really annoyed that Flask didn't have proper async support. I used to write Node.js mm -hmm. and React from time to time. And I didn't like the fact that Flask didn't have async support. So okay. I was basically curious and I asked myself, since you have so much free time, can you write an async version of Flask? I knew frameworks like Quart existed during that time, but they were not very famous and not widely adopted. And hmm. since Rust was very famous and Ryan Dahl had recently launched Dino during that time, I mm -hmm. asked myself, maybe give it, give Rust a go, you know what? It would be cool if it was written in Rust. And once yeah. I created my initial version, I was surprised by the performance boost it had compared to all the other frameworks. That's really cool. Uh, how long did it take you to write it? Uh, it took me, I, I'd say, a week to get the initial version where I was handling the HTTP headers myself. But a proper okay. version, like, like having encapsulation for HTTP methods, having a proper async loop was like month or two. Okay. That's not too bad for a development time of a, a brand new web framework. Exactly. <laughs> I, I expected it to be way larger, but I had a lot of free time, I suppose. Yeah. Was it uh, easier because it was Rust or because you were working with Python and Rust, do you think? Or... Actually, I didn't know any Rust at all when I okay. started writing that framework. So I had to learn a lot of Rust. So that definitely made it a bit slower. But okay. the great part about that was you cannot write, basically, it's super hard for you to write any Rust code that will compile, but not run. So, okay. so the compiler was helping me out a lot. Like, was telling me you can have a look at this GitHub issue if you're struggling with this. And the compiler hints were pretty nice. So uh, Rust made it slower, but the compiler helped me to get it faster a bit. 
that brings up uh, something I've been wondering because I've been thinking about learning Rust. If if you do have problems, is it easy to look up the look up the problems in Google and find answers, or is it still too new oh, and you kind of have to? Super easy. I think. Super easy. I remember reading somewhere that they tell you the authentic Rust experiences to bash your head against the compiler, and the compiler will guide <laughs> guide you to your journey. The compiler will tell you the alternatives mm -hmm. that you can use. And if it's not that, it will also probably tell you a GitHub link where you can have a look to learn more about the issue. Oh, nice. Yeah, I remember with C++, you know, oh, it, was, no. it was hard to look up those errors. It was really yeah. hard. <laughs> Everything the heck for it there. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think makes Robin different from like the other Python web frameworks? Okay. So for one, Robin is one of the fastest Python web frameworks in the market right now. So that makes it mm -hmm. better in, in a sense. And second, I believe is Robin is based on a few principles that make it stand out. So the principles are performance at scale, uh, community support, okay. and hacker friendliness or innovative friendliness. So I believe mm. that performance at scale and community support is like something self-understood. But what I mean by hacker friendliness is that I think that we have been talking a lot, lot about how to collaborate at scale, how to have type support, how to have handle scale. Mm -hmm. But we do not talk enough about how to get to that point. We forget that all the big gaps that we talk about that use Python were written maybe on a weekend or a sprint. and. Mm -hmm. They they may have terrible code in retrospect, but it was one of the reasons why they could ship it. For example, Django yeah. was also popular because it had like admin dashboard, which allowed the developers to or the freelancers to quickly set up a dashboard and ship a product in a very fast way. Mm -hmm. So interesting. That, that that brings up the question: Does Robin have an admin dashboard too? Not yet, but that can work. But Robin has a built-in server that eliminates the need for you to choose an external server. And that also makes it way faster compared to the other frameworks. So you do not have to choose something like cool. Unicorn, Ubicon, everything's built yeah. in. Do you, uh, do you happen to know off, offhand how much faster you've seen it perform versus a similarly built website with like Django Flask or you know, Pyramid? So uh, yes, so it's present on Tech Empowered, but Robin on my dual core MacBook was able to handle like 10,000 requests per second, whereas Flask okay. and Django were only 5,000 requests per second or 4,000 requests per second. Hmm. Interesting. But it also increases when the machine gets stronger. So on Tech Empowered, you, you may see that Robin can handle a million requests per minute. So, yeah. That's really cool. I'm just curious. So sometimes people say async is like not multi-threaded. Is, is in your case, is it multi-threaded or multi-core? Or how does that all work? Or can well, you explain so, that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, async in regular Python may not be always multi-threaded because uh, mm -hmm. not everything is I/O bound. But why Robin is faster because we use Rust under the hood, so we can avoid the gil at many places. Mm -hmm. So we have, at certain places, we can batch the gil calls. That allows you to have 
use Rust threads, which are yeah. real threads, not like Python threads, which are blocked by the GIL, and you do not have to acquire and release lock. And additionally, okay. Robin also has a multi-processed runtime where we share a TCP socket across multiple processes. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so you can balance the workers and the processes that you allot. Nice. Thanks for explaining that. Because sometimes I, you, you know, everyone talks about all the different flavors of concurrency in Python, and it gets kind of confusing. Yeah. Hopefully in Python 3.13, it will be faster. Yeah, I hope so. There. I mean, they, they did a good job uh, making the, this last version, I think it's 3.11, faster. So I'm looking forward to yeah. seeing what they'll do with the next couple of versions. Yes, absolutely. So if you uh, look at Rust and Python objectively, what do you like about Rust versus Python? Okay, that's an interesting question. To be honest, Python is still my favorite language. Uh, okay. But what I like about Rust is like the fearless concurrency that it offers you. So uh, Robin has a lot of multi-threaded code under the hood. Mm -hmm. And if it's, it will not work in the runtime, it won't compile. So that okay. because deb debugging multi-threaded code or concurrent code gets harder if it, if there's mm -hmm. a runtime issue. So just the fact that there's a compile time issue and the compiler is super nice is one of the things that I like. And second yeah. thing is the dependency management compared to Python, because in Python there's no generic way to manage the dependencies. There's requirements for txt, mm -hmm. pdm, poetry. And in in Rust, you can just use cargo. Uh, okay. So that's pretty nice as well. But I like dynamic languages by default, so Python still holds a close place in my heart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. I, I can't imagine myself not using Python, you know, at least 50% if I had to switch. So. Precisely, <laughs> yeah. So do you think there'll be a, a lot more Rust-based Python packages coming out in the future? You know, now that now that we have Robin and Ruff, the the cool fast linter, do you think there'll be a, do you know of a lot more that are coming down the pike or have you, yeah, what do you think? For sure, for sure. For, sure. for example, Pydantic recently introduced Rust in their code. So, okay. Um, and then, I know Starfire, which is another package that I, that I maintain, will have Rust in the future. Mm. And then Strawberry GraphQL was also working for something. And then you have free, like web servers like Ranian, that is just a Rust-based ASGI, or they're introducing a new spec. I cool. believe that like because of the PyO3, which is the Python to Rust bindings, the ecosystem is mm -hmm. super nice. The interface is super nice. So it's easier for the library developers to create bindings, Python bindings, and use them now. Cool. Since you brought the topic up, what is Starfire? Could you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, sure. So Starfire is another web framework that I have created. It's a Python web framework that allows mm -hmm. you to write reactive web frontends using pure Python. So it transpiles certain Python code using server-side server rendering and that hmm. generates certain reactive code that you can use in the front end. So 
So hopefully you won't have to write. You will have to write minimal JavaScript if you are working with Python front end. So why do you have two different projects? Why didn't you just take Starfire and like cram it into Robin somehow? Uh, that's a very good question, but I, <laughs> I I like having my apps in a different model, like have separation of responsibilities. So whenever mm -hmm. I create my applications, I create a client repo somewhere else and a server repo somewhere else. Okay. So I want Robin to be a backend framework, which has okay. its own responsibility. And Starfire, even though will be a server-side rendered framework, may use sockets or robin under the hood but i still want them to be separate entities if someone else needs them to be okay so starfire could theoretically be put on top of robin at some point in the future though right possibly depending on the architecture because <laughs> <laughs> yeah it uses interesting the under the hood at this point so yes possibly that's cool man and i feel like i should I don't know. I've always wanted to create my own open source library or package of some sort, and I never can come up with a good a good idea. I feel like that all the good ones are taken, but <laughs> maybe one of these days something will occur to me. Maybe one day you can always try to make anything faster. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, I've got one more question for you that I know of. Uh, what's your favorite Python module or package, and why? Apart from Robin and Starfire. Yes. <laughs> okay. Before you created yeah. those. <laughs> uh, I really like this package called PySnooper. So PySnooper hmm. basically gives you a decorator that is in the middle of a print statement and a PyDB or PDB, like a Python debugger. Interesting. So you do not have to fire a debugger. You can just import the decorator from that and it will give you a Call, call stack and the trace of all the elements that hmm. you, it's very nice and helps me debug a lot of things when I'm working with Python code. That's neat. I, I don't think I'm familiar with that one. So I'll have to check that out. You, and you definitely you know, should. We'll, we'll put a link for that in the episode's uh, details so people can, uh, you know, the people who are listening can also check it out. Yeah, they should absolutely check it out. It saved me a lot of hours when I was debugging a few things. Cool. That's amazing. That's that sounds like a really handy tool. Well, I think that reaches the end of my questions. So I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show, and I hope to see you again sometime soon. Maybe we can have you on again in the future. Thank you so much for having me. And absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, and I hope the leaders will. Welcome SoundScar to the Python community and support his projects because they sound really cool. All right, we're going to sign off here. See y'all later. Hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Mike Driscoll, The Python Show. 